Rob O'Hara. What is going on, my man? It's that time of the uh, month. It is. Uh, here we are. We're back recording. I have a stomach ache because uh, earlier I was in the kitchen. I found where my wife had stashed all the Halloween candy or the uh, Easter candy. I was going to say, so, yeah. <laughs> it's a little past Halloween. Uh, Halloween candy's long gone. But uh, so when she came home, she was like, what are all these wrappers for Cadbury eggs and why are all the peeps gone? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? So uh, I got a feeling we're going to be buying some more Easter candy. Yeah, well, I can Easter. I can I can one up you, two up you, three up you on that story because uh, my dog Higgins, he found our Easter candy. Oh, no. Man, he found it probably like a month ago. We we have spent more money on how or <laughs> now I'm saying it on Easter candy <laughs> than we ever have um he found it he ate a whole package of you know how you get like the four pack box of the cadbury eggs right right he, yep. he ate all of those he ate a bag of little twix individually wrapped twix bars uh a couple other things and so we're like okay and we were really upset so nicole went and replaced everything and of course, bought a few extra things too. He got, and then she she hid it in another room in her closet, but she didn't shut her closet all the way one day. And he, I swear, this dog is such a moron, but he's like super <laughs> smart because he must have watched her and knew what she was doing because he went in there and got it. Now, I thought um, chocolate was supposed to be like deadly for dogs. Isn't yeah, it, uh... well, by the fourth time that he did it, I was hoping it would be, uh, <laughs> and it was, and it's not. Teach him the final lesson. We uh, you know, speaking of uh, uh, wishing ill things on our pets. Uh, <laughs> our our new house has um, all the doors in our new house have those door handles that are like levers. It's not like a knob; it's like a yep. lever that you pull down. You know, and you know I work from home quite a bit. So a couple of weeks ago, I was working from home, and I was here by myself. And I always shut the door to my office, even though I'm the only one here. Uh, I mean, I'm home alone during the day, but it's habit because the cat will come in and chew headphone cables, chew USB cables. So I always keep the cat out of the room. So I'm sitting in my office during the day, and all of a sudden, somebody starts rattling the door. And I jumped up. I was like, I really thought somebody was had broken into the house. And so... I turn around, and then a second later, it happens again. The door swings open, and there's the cat. And so what the cat has learned is that if she jumps against the door, I guess she's grabbing onto that handle, but she can pull the handle down and open doors, which has become a nightmare because when we don't want – like if we have – Sometimes if uh, people come over, we'll put the cat in the laundry room where her we'll put food in there and her litter box is in there, but now she just lets herself out. Um, she's been opening doors during the day. She attacks our door at night. It is so annoying. And so the other day I was going out to lunch and we go out through the garage door, uh, because the way this house is set up. So I went out through the garage. I shut the garage door. I opened the, the, the outside garage door to go out to my car. And right as the garage door is opening and I'm getting ready to walk out, I hear the door open behind me. And the cat comes out in the garage, and I was like, you know, if I leave this garage door open for a while, (laughs) 
there's a whole big world out there, cat, you know, and uh it's a whole I mean, new world. <laughs> I was like, it's freedom. You just have to go. And then the cat's so dumb. Like when she she has escaped before, and when she escapes, she just goes right to the front door and sits there. She won't <laughs> she won't run away. So but I did think about that for a minute. I thought, you know, not that I would um get rid of the cat. But if the cat were to run away, I might not chase her as fast as I... I can't chase so fast. I've been eating so many Cadbury eggs and peeps. <laughs> that would be my excuse. I'd be like, oh, how many sorry, do, she got away, kids. How many do you think you ate today? Like, uh, I can tell you I ate two Cadbury eggs. Okay. Um, and then I ate like a... Uh, I think it was a six-pack of peeps. It wasn't now, like all at one sitting, you know? Were they <laughs> Were they the, the, uh, like the little chickadee peeps were they the bunny peeps or now they have like all sorts remember because when we were kids we had the bunnies right and you would mm-hmm. get yellow or pink and then there was the and i think i think light blue too right there was like pink yes. yellow and light blue so you had the chicks mm-hmm. and then you had the bunnies and i right. remember i would always bite the bunnies ears off one by one <laughs> but now it's like did. now there's like a whole bunch of stuff and they had, remember they had like the little chocolate droppings for eyes yeah, I do vaguely remember that. These um, these were bunnies, but this is interesting. I opened up the pack, and I uh, uh, popped one in my mouth, and I immediately was like, that did not taste like a peep. And I looked, and it was blue raspberry-flavored peeps. I know, because I, you know, when we were kids, peeps had a flavor, and it was called peep. It was called sugar. <laughs> right. right it was sugar. Yeah, so these were an actual flavor of peep. I didn't know. Um, I guess I'm not up on... Uh, current peep technology i don't know but i don't uh, like i don't like that yeah that it was a it was a different flavor and then uh, i will say this when i found those cadbury eggs it was like finding gold you know uh and so um early this morning i had one and then you know i was eating on the peeps and i started to not feel great (laughs) (laughs) and then this afternoon here's the thing i had i couldn't figure out why right well, I had the other Cadbury egg, and I know if I don't eat it, then they're going to reclaim it. You know, they're going to be like, oh, dad got the Cadbury egg. So I knew I had to eat it. But when I was eating that second one, I thought, I'm not enjoying it as much as the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one was good earlier. The second one was more of a chore. <laughs> now, that that's another candy that they I think they came out with like a caramel filled um, there's like all sorts of different kinds and not only by Cadbury there's other makers because at the, at the grocery store the other day and they had um, Reese's so it was like yes I don't know. think it's I don't think it's the same as what's in a peanut butter cup or like the eggs and that's another thing they they started with the Reese's eggs and now there's different things like you have Christmas tree ones like they do it for Halloween for everything for Reese's. Um, but yeah, this was like, a, I think it was Reese's, but it's more of like a, almost like a peanut buttery consistency, it looks like. Sounds pretty good. Does, I would try that. It does um, sound Not good. a four pack, but I would try one. Um, it's funny you mention this because Heinz, I don't know if you saw this last week. I thought this was a delayed April Fool's Day joke, but apparently it wasn't. Heinz announced that they were releasing mayonnaise that was Cadbury egg cream flavored. And uh, I I saw the headlines I saw, and I thought this can't be real. And it turns out it is real, but 
uh, when you read the details, it turns out they were only doing it like one day and it was only in the UK. So it was more of a special one-time thing, not like a product that you could get in stores. But, but what are what are the British people doing with Cadbury flavored mayonnaise? Like what what do you you know what I'm saying? I like, don't know. I don't know. I why, thought the same thing. Why even call it mayonnaise? Like if the only thing I can think of is you buy like a brick of chocolate, right? And you spread mm-hmm. it on yourself and you're eating it like you're like you're like you ever eat cream cheese and crackers and you're just sitting there watching TV and you're putting cream cheese on like saltines and like that's the only thing I can see you doing with this. So why call it mayonnaise to draw oh, attention to it? Maybe. It. No, you could dip peeps in it. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> I don't like peeps. Um, I don't like them. It's like a lot of things. I don't like them as much as I used to. Like, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember getting probably for Easter. Well, it was it like a nine pack that you would get, like three rows of three or something like that. Like, we might get two of those, like one pink ones and one yellow ones or whatever, and I would just sit there. I mean, I was definitely – my sister on Halloween would come back to her room, pour everything out, split everything. She's like, I got seven Smarties, 14 Rolos, I got – you know, and have all this stuff. I would come back. With a stomach ache hmm. and chocolate smeared around my lips, where I had crammed it inside of whatever mask I was wearing. I mean, I definitely came back with less than her. And I would be that kid that would just sit there and just like, I guarantee my Halloween candy would be gone in a couple of days. Like, I would just sit there and just eat it, eat it, eat it, You'd take it to school and eat it, you know? So, uh, but man, I just can't do it anymore. Like, things seem like they're more sweet. I don't know. I, I don't know if they are more sweet or just when you get older. You I, just, I was just going to say, I think it's because we're getting older. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think it's changing, but you know what? As far as like with the peeps, when I was a kid, I liked peeps, but I, I liked them when they would, because as soon as you rip that cellophane, like if you like fresh peeps, you got to eat them all. Right. You got, you got to like triple fist them things. But I like, <laughs> I like them the next day or two days when like, Oh, you, they get a little hard. Yeah. When you could like, you know, knock them yeah. on the table and they would, yeah, they, I don't know why. I just like them like that. It's like McDonald's French fries. Like if you, like when they hand it to you, if they're hot, you're like, oh, these are good. And then 10 minutes later, they're ice cold. They're not good. Yeah. They're just not, <laughs> you just got to have them then. So, so, hey, you could dip that in that uh, mayonnaise uh, Cadbury, just yeah, dip some fries salt, in there. That salty sweet. <sighs> just literally a heart attack. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, as I'm thinking about it, other than Cadbury eggs and the Reese uh, eggs, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I don't really think I liked Easter candy that much. Jelly I, I, beans? You get jelly beans? Yeah, not a big jelly bean guy. I mean, I eat them now because my wife freaking puts them in the in the uh, cabinet, refills them all the time. And I'm like, why do you do this? I don't even like them, but man. And then I'm then I got a handful, and I'm walking around like I'm chucking peanuts in my mouth at the at the circus. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. um, what we what we do have here. And maybe they have it all around now, but I, I thought it was more of a local thing. Is orange chocolate? Do you guys have um, orange chocolate? I don't. I've had orange, like orange fudge, but orange chocolate doesn't sound. Well, what is it? It's it's you know it's like milk chocolate with an orange flavoring in it. Dude, hmm. it's awesome. And you know what? Where, where do you get it? Like, is it like in a store thing or? Um... Yeah, I mean it is a local thing. I think more so. Um, 
but yeah, actually my buddy, Jason, he is a, uh, he's a, uh, architect, right? And so he designed this, this new chocolate factory basically Oh, and platters. Okay. And so we've gone there and they make it all fresh there and everything. So I'm going to be taking you cause you are potentially probably coming up here in a few months. Yeah, so yeah, gonna, that's the plan. Yeah, we're gonna go to Platters and uh, check out all the oh. uh, awesome chocolates that they Here's have. Here's what I'll do before I come up there: eat some peeps. Well, about a week before, I'll open them. <laughs> so I'll get them nice and stale for you, just how you like them. And uh, I won't get you the blue raspberry. I'll just get you the regular flavor. Yeah, I want the and, normals. Uh, yeah, you know um. God, we could talk for an hour on peeps. I know. I was like just that. thinking, like we we should just we should have just <laughs> the did a peeps episode. <laughs> we should, we're uh, an Easter episode. Like, why are we doing Lady Hawk? I know, I know. But uh, I was just thinking, like that's another thing. When we were kids, you got peeps at Easter, and that was it, right? You mm-hmm. got the 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 chicks or the bunnies or whatever. Um, but now they have like East or a Christmas peeps, like Christmas trees that are peeps, and I think yeah. they had um, jack o' lantern peeps. I don't know. I feel like. Um, try not to be a traditionalist too much i try to be open to new things but uh i don't know peeps to me are uh are definitely an easter thing so you don't want when you come up here you don't you don't want the summer peeps the beach ball peeps oh i'll eat them <laughs> <laughs> someone probably listening to he's like hey uh, i got an idea they're at the boardroom tomorrow your Be- kids will be like summer beach Dad, ball. where's all our peeps uncle rob take all the peeps yeah <laughs> trust me the beads are gone they'll be gone and my kids, they're like savages with that stuff, man. And my wife goes overboard. Yeah, yeah. I told my kids one time, I said, uh, I said I'm said i so old that when I was your age, all of our jelly beans were just one flavor. <laughs> you remember, like, like they just kind of all tasted the same. And yeah, now my kids are except like, for the black ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like those. No. Like, I don't like black licorice either. Nicole likes the black licorice ones. I... Mm-mm. I don't like them, but now here's, we're not even doing Lady Hawk tonight. Who are we kidding? All right. The movie sucked. All right. So we're going to talk about Easter, but now they have like, uh, you can get like the, uh, Mike and Ike ones. Cause she was at the store. Like I said, she would, um, we have like a little kind of like a hutch cabinet in the, in the dining room. Mm-hmm. And so she'll fill it with different candies throughout the, the year or whatever. So now it's jelly beans and they have like starburst ones. They have, uh, you know, I think Mike and Ike's. They, I, I mean, dude, they have so many different ones. It used to be, if you wanted to get crazy, you'd get the Jelly Belly ones, remember? Right. Yeah, make it's, a little recipe. Yeah, now it's like, eh, Jelly Belly, who cares? You can get whatever you like, sweet sweet tart ones. Like, I think she got, I think she got, They were. I think they were either, no, I think they were nerds, nerd jelly beans. So, oh. so the shell of the jelly bean was kind of like bumpy. Oh, Dude, they, right. dude, they were so good. Those were good. Those uh, were good. I don't but I the tra- like the traditional ones. I don't like the black jelly beans. I don't like the like the white jelly beans because they just have no flavor. I would do like right. the, the green and and red. They had a little bit of flavor to them. Yeah, purple. Purple's good. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, probably five years ago, we went on vacation to California and we went to the Jelly Belly Factory. And uh, it was fantastic. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> they had all these um, giant mosaics that people have done with jelly bellies. 
like a one of Ronald Reagan and and one of Mickey Mouse, all these different things. And we got to go through the whole factory. And then at the very end, you got a free sample bag of Jelly Bellies. And there were two different lines. And one was like their traditional flavors. And the other one is they have a line of gross mm-hmm. flavored Jelly Bellies. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what my wife chose. And I'm not I'm not kidding. You can look this up. They have flavors that are like barf. Oh. They have one that says booger flavor. Um, they have one that says sweaty gym socks. And so that's what she chose. And then she ate them and she complained about them. She's like, that tastes like puke. Okay, it's literally called puke. <laughs> why would you get that? Mine tastes like a marshmallow sundae. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> like, think. Why would you pick the gross ones? Don't they have Don't they have a game that you can get? It, I think I think I saw a game yeah. on Target or something where it's it's kind of like that. I you know where you're just I think you're guessing on what it is or mm-hmm. or almost like a Russian roulette with jelly beans. Are you going to get a good one or a bad one? <laughs> Do you remember the um, where they had the little recipes on the back and it was like. For peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you could take one peanut butter one and one strawberry one. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, really thanks. I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't remember that, honestly, just because I didn't really eat them that much. But right. I could I could see that. You know, yeah. take three of them and you have, you know, Del Pickle. <laughs> all right, all right. No more Easter candy. Why are we here tonight, Sean? We are here. To uh, discuss a movie, this is kind. Of, I think this is a milestone in Throwback Reviews podcast history because I think we actually watched a movie that neither one of us had seen as kids. I think this was our first viewing. Am I, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and and it was. Uh, what, I mean, it's from the eighties. This is this is our era. This is yeah. what we do. So the fact that neither one of us normally it's one that. Either it's a movie I love that I want to share with you, or that you love you want to share with me. But uh, so I, I don't even remember how did how did this movie come up. Um, I was on the Pirate Bay. I mean, um, I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, I was just uh, I was searching up just '80s movies, and um, I, the cover always threw me off, right? Because I knew. By the description that it was like this, you know, medieval times kind of film, right? But it, but if you look at the cover, he looks like he has a just a normal hoodie on. So <laughs> it always threw me off. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just stumbled upon it. I um, there was a a a buddy cop movie. I think it was kind of um, uh, not not a comedy, kind of a, a darker cop movie called Nighthawks. Uh, from the early '80s, is that with and, Stallone? Yes, yeah, I think he's in it, and um, I want to say isn't Rutger Hauer in that too, or no? I don't know. I feel like Billy D. Williams, maybe. I don't know. I, I am. All right, I'm gonna have to look it up. That's here, but, that's um, that's fine. But I do remember that because I remember there's like a either a subway scene or when they're on like a one of those things in in san francisco like the uh trolleys that go up the mountainside it is sylvester sloan billy d williams uh and rutger howard yeah so all i remember when i was a kid i saw it late night on hbo and there's a scene where they there's a guy playing the guitar and uh, he shoots him through the hole in the guitar oh boy <laughs> like he puts the gun in the guitar in the guitar hole and shoots him uh so for some reason 
in my head, I had Ladyhawk confused with Nighthawks. So when you said, hey, let's watch Ladyhawk, I was like, is that like a, is it cops? Is it a female cop? I think I've heard of this. So I've, I was, this was totally off my radar. This movie, I had no idea what it was. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I don't even remember it as a kid being a thing. And we, you know, we talked, this had to have been on HBO a bunch. It had to have been. And what's so weird is, um, I mean, really, 85, a medieval type movie. I mean, this is my wheelhouse. And 85 yeah. for me, that's seventh grade. Uh, I was just making that transition from regular Dungeons and Dragons to advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I was all D and D. This was a couple of years after the Conan movies and Red Sonia. I think is the same year, eighty five. So I was all in the pocket for this. So I really am surprised that it just never uh, fell on my radar. Yeah, you know what? I was just thinking about. I'm like, how did I stumble upon this? But my youngest son, he's eleven. He is. He has an interest in not, the same. What you're just talking about, like he's into that stuff, and it's. Yeah, I mean, if I do the math, I was born in '74, so same age as when this would have come out, and like mm-hmm. you, into the same exact movies and probably movies I shouldn't have watched. The kids like you know Excalibur and ah, uh, oh, there was another one I can't remember, but uh, and and uh, we just watched this the other night, Dragon Slayer. Yeah, that's what a um, boring movie that is. <laughs> I uh, went. My parents. This was. Uh, I don't know how you do it now, uh, but this was. My parents worked off the honor system whenever nudity came up on screen, and they would just say, "All right, close your eyes or cover your eyes or whatever." And we saw Dragon's Lair, Dragon Slayer, at the drive-in, and we were there, and I just remember. Uh, that scene where you think it has been a boy all along and then they go swimming and you discover that the boy was a girl and there's uh-huh. underwater uh, shots of boobies. And I just remember my mom going, all right, close your eyes. And I was like, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this because I should tell her that I never once closed my eyes. <laughs> I looked every time. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that on, on HBO and I do remember that scene. I, I, forgot about that specific scene but i knew when we were watching i'm like that's a girl i know that's a girl like you know i'm this, I'm this 45 year old detective figuring it out <laughs> and um and then i was i was like standing over away from the tv and i hear nicole go oh gabe cover your eyes <laughs> see it's the system it's still it's still in effect yeah that's right man that's right so uh anyway so I think that's why I got it. I wanted him to watch it with me. And, uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll kind of get into s- some uh, some feedback actually from him while we watched it. But why don't oh, you, cool. if you don't mind, give a little synopsis if there's anybody else like us who had never seen this movie. Right. So uh, after escaping from a French dungeon, a mousy thief named Philippe Gaston is rescued by Captain Navarre a knight who himself is being hunted by an evil bishop and his soldiers. Gaston soon learns that Captain Navarre and his lover, the beautiful Lady Isabeau, has been placed under a curse that leaves her as a hawk during the day and he a wolf at night. While Navarre wishes to kill the bishop that cursed him and his lover, Gaston has discovered a way to break the curse once and for all in this 1985 fantasy film, Lady Hawk. 
Yes. So I would like to uh, first comment on the, as my notes say, cheesy but lovable intro sequence with the music and the hawk <laughs> flying against what was at the sun and or was that an eclipse? I don't remember, but I just thought, wow, this is uh, this is the eighties, huh? Yep, you got some eighties uh, synthesizer going. I read that. Um, uh, I read through all the the trivia a couple. Well, when I watched it, and it said that the music was all performed by Alan Parsons uh, of the Alan Parsons Project. So very you know 70s but more 80s very synth heavy um and the pacing of the opening which is just the bird the hawk flying and really Mm -hmm. nothing happening really sets the tone for the next two hours (laughs) of things are going to be moving slowly for the next yeah yeah i'm glad you excuse me i'm glad you mentioned that because i was I was shocked at how long this movie was. I usually I usually uh turn my nose up to a movie that's over an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um this is uh I know that when people complain about the Lord of the Rings movies, one of the biggest complaints is that there's just so many scenes of them walking. You know, you gotta go here, they have to go here. It's it's um you know, it's kind of the running joke. And I felt that a lot during this movie and the, the, the cinematography was amazing. You know, yes. there was these beautiful shots. It had like a weird filter. And I think that yes. was what you know, they were trying to convey that, that, um, so as we just said, the, uh, uh, you've got the, these two guys, there's the, the captain Nevere, which is Rutger Hauer and, uh, lady Isabeau, which is Michelle Pfeiffer. And they were lovers and um, the the evil bishop, whose name is literally Evil Bishop. <laughs> He's the bishop of uh, whatever this town is uh, in France that he that he uh, reigns over. But he was in love with uh, Isabeau. And so whenever she said she was in love with Navarre, he cursed, put this curse on the two of them so that when the sun is up, she is a hawk. And then at night... They switch places. He becomes a wolf and she becomes a person. So um, the thief, the the Philip uh, who comes out, Philip Gaston, is Matthew Broderick, who, what did you think about his performance? Uh, I mean, from the early thing, I mean, the early his escape and throughout the movie. So I, I was like, okay, did they see Ferris Bueller's Day Off? And tell him, hey, you know that thing where you like break the fourth wall? Like, do that, do that, because he does that in the whole beginning sequence, and he does it a, a few more times later on. But really, in the beginning, especially like when he's in the moat. But mm-hmm. then doing research, and it's like, oh wait a second, maybe they did that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and they're like, hey, you know that thing you did in Lady Hawk in the beginning? Do that in the movie, because yeah. I was like, it, it really, honestly, in the beginning, took me out for a few minutes. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah, and, and he, I think, I mean, he's, and I think that's. I'm sorry, but I think that's because oh. we're so used to Ferris Bueller's Day Off that right. It, yeah, it's so it does out. seem like yeah, it's like Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller's Medieval Day Off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's the same. It feels like the same character, um, and he's making these jokes. And he breaks through. He, he digs his way through this thing. He sticks his head through a, a a wall that he's dug a hole through, and he's like, 
oath. You know, he looks right at the camera. He's like, this is reminds me of being born or whatever. You know, it's like these little, it's like little one-off jokes. Sometimes he, he talks to himself a lot in the movie, but he also talks directly to the camera quite a bit. It's right. almost like, um, like theater, you know, like a person on stage that would turn and, and address the which, audience, which he, yeah. he is known. He is a big theater guy. So, you know, is he pulling from that or was he, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a scene later in the movie where he's doing it, but it's it's intentional because he's trying to scare off whoever he thinks is out in the woods to make it seem like he's talking to other people. So he's not alone. So that mm-hmm. I that I understood in case anyone's yeah. going. But there's and, a lot where he's just walking and talking to himself. Oh, what have I done to fall into this? You know, that sort of thing. Yes. And like you said, I did get that that very theater kind of feel to it eh, I, I don't know i i guess i kind of got used to it after a while yeah but yeah. i i do want to say like i'm glad you brought it up because i that was one of the things i had down in my notes was that the cinematography was just amazing in this movie mm-hmm. and I, I had a i had to look it up and it was shot in italy because i was like where is this like this isn't yeah. england <laughs> right now you've got american actors in italy in a movie about france yeah, <laughs> and the and the filtering on it, you, like you said, there was like this cert, there was some sort of filter going on, but I, I I I was digging it. I liked it. You know what it reminded me of is like when you're driving and there's that thing on your windshield of your car where it's dark and then it fades down. It was like that, and I I got the feeling, like I said, that they were trying to show this duality of daytime and nighttime. You know, kind of like because it's dark and then it kind of fades down, but. I don't know. I, I thought I thought it had, I thought it had more of an orangish hue to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, wait a second. Do they even make yeah. that on the windshields anymore? I thought that was done in like nineties. No, my car has it. Does it? Yeah. Mine has. Mine doesn't have that color that graduated like or graduate uh, like blue. Mine has got uh, actual textured like black speckles and as it comes oh, yeah. and, and my, when it comes my, down uh, lower the the speckles get smaller so yeah, it's the same idea like yeah. right um so i you know in the old days when we used to do movies we would run through the cast and stuff and and I, you know we don't really need to do that but we'll just point out uh the main people so we, we just mentioned matthew broderick uh he is philippe um and I knew him from War Games, obviously, which is a couple of years before this. That's his big breakout uh, movie role. And then, of course, Ferris Bueller, uh, like we mentioned. And then you have Rutger Hauer. Uh, I'm assuming you were familiar with uh, Rutger Hauer. Yep. The Hitcher and uh, another movie I was just thinking of. But, yeah, The Hitcher, which I just yeah, watched but- a few few months ago for my other podcast. And was Blade Runner. For me, he was uh, Roy, the uh, the head replicant that made Dude, the bad I, guy. Can I just tell you something? I, oh, this, no, this, don't this, say this. No, 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 you're going to say it. Don't say it. Now, don't be like that. I was going to mention, like, I caught some grief from people because I never saw this movie. I can only imagine when I say I never saw Blade oh. Runner. Not that I can remember. I don't remember seeing it. Well, let me know if you'd like to watch it on DVD or Blu-ray because I'm going to be there. And <laughs> we could watch Blade Runner. Is it a... Let's do 19, that. 1981. We should do that. There you go. It's a date, um, Rob. It's a date. <clears throat> you bring the popcorn, I'll bring the stale peeps. And I'll bring the snuggly blanket. 
then we have uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Isabeau. Um, right off the bat, I don't like characters where I can't figure out what their name is. Yes, I was so <laughs> glad that you're doing the synopsis on this one because I'm like, it, her name is longer than just that. You know, it's like, oh, God, I can't. Uh, it's like Isabeau and Anjou. Uh, yeah. And then he's like, oh, the lady Isabeau. And I was like, the lady what? Like, can, I didn't even. I, yeah. Can you just call her Lady Hawk, please? Right. Not, exactly. Not, not wait till three, three quarters of the movie to, to decide you're going to call her Lady Hawk. A bird lady. Or can you, um, can you call her the mute? Because she says about four words in the whole movie. That's true. Yeah. She was not. This is not a huge role. She's not. a. Uh, I mean, I would say that she's not a huge actor by this point. But um, I'm going to tell you this. I am one of about seven people on the planet that enjoys Grease 2. <laughs> it's not a popular film. No, it's not. It is, no. But um, it stars Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, the pink lady who wants a cool writer. Uh, so that was uh, my first introduction to Michelle Pfeiffer. She was in Scarface, which was a couple of years before yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when I see Michelle Pfeiffer, there's two things I think of. It's not Lady Hawk. What do you think of when, when you hear Michelle Pfeiffer? Catwoman. There you go. <laughs> That's the big one right there. Catwoman. And then... Um, uh, that v- when she was in the video for um, Gangster Paradise <laughs> with Coolio, and it's her in the I don't even know what movie I can't remember the name. Yeah, the I I don't remember that. I couldn't <laughs> stand that song. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Leo McKern. He is uh, Imperious, and he is the uh, he's a, a monk, a priest. Uh, he's, he's, and he is the guy in the movie that, uh, he has the secret. Basically he knows how to break the curse. Rutger Hauer wants to go back and kill the Bishop for putting the curse on him. We're going to talk about this curse in a minute, but, um, but he's the one that tells Matthew Broderick, no, 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 there's a way to break the curse. Yeah. And, uh, we can, do we want to spoil that now? Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. So, the, so the thing is that the curse is. That when the sun is up, uh, that one of the, that she's a hawk, and when the and when the moon is up, he is a wolf. But what this priest has figured out is that during an eclipse, both the sun and the moon would be visible. So there's this brief window where they would both be human. So if they can kill the bishop uh, or have him look at them, I think is all it was. Yeah. Have to kill him. If he looks at him, then the curse would be broken. So. He, now, he's passed this on to Matthew Broderick, and Matthew Broderick, uh, Rutger Hauer doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe the, the curse can be broken. But So Matthew Broderick is, is trying to, to push this. I looked at that guy's acting credits. He's been in 900,000 things, and I didn't know him from anything. Okay, so I a lot of times I drive my wife nuts because I'm like, hey, that's, that's such and such from such and such. Or I'll be like, I know that person, but I can't figure it out. And then like you know, 30 minutes later, I'm like, I got it. It's from him. Same thing with this guy. And yeah. um, I, I, excuse me, man, Sam Adams, you're, giving me, <laughs> you're getting me, buddy. Um, well, you need, you need a couple of them for this movie. Yeah. He, I believe, and I didn't check it on IMDb, but I believe I know him from the movie Candleshoe. Do you remember okay. Candleshoe with um, no. Jodie Foster? I don't think I ever saw it. Yeah. And uh, I think. 
I think it's him. I could be wrong, but I think it's him. And you don't, you never seen the movie, so I won't explain the character. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's him. You know, he's a big character actor. He was in a million sitcoms and a million all these shows going back to the the fifties all the way. You know, so it very possibly could be. He's in a ton but of things. He he plays a very disheveled uh, monk very well. Yep, yep. <laughs> then we have John Wood, who the minute he's the the bishop. Mm-hmm. The minute I saw him, I marked out because I instantly recognized him as Doctor John. McHick- what is it, McKickrick or McKinnon? No, not McKickrick. That's um, that's Dabney Coleman. He's Falcon. Or yes, 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 Falcon. Yes, yeah, from War Games. And so it's a reunion. It's a Matthew Broderick, John Wood reunion. Greetings, Professor Falcon. Which I said every time. The bishop came on screen. <laughs> so I'm glad no one was watching it with me. It would have been annoying. But uh, when I'm it ready, was, <laughs> it was so hard for me to see him as a bad guy because I love war games and I love Professor Falcon. I thought the same uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was hard for me to not like him. Also, he is uh, one of the main people in Jumpin' Jack Flash, was just another one of my. I love that movie, the Whoopi Goldberg. Uh-huh. With the, uh, the spy on the computer and all that, you know, he's uh, uh, the guy. I think he's the spy that turns out to be the bad spy that she's been trusting all along. I, but, yeah, I think you're right. What do you know? Yeah. What, that's an '80s movie, right? '86. Yeah, maybe we should do that sometime. Where I, I feel oh, like I, love I feel like we're that, always yeah. doing like you know that. I, I, just, I think that would be like kind of like a oh hey, they're doing a movie that I remember. You know what I mean? Like it's just something different. Mm-hmm. And I, I uh, that would be a good one where we could both possibly get our kids to watch it and give some feedback to. I think it'd be fun to see the the difference in technology. You yeah. know, because there, there's lots of points in in that movie where they're just typing <laughs> text back and forth, and then she's reading it. But but anyway, yeah. So it was it was hard for me to see him as the bad guy because I know him from two roles that I really enjoy. So. Uh, let's see. I, there's a couple of, uh, things. Oh, directed by Richard Donner. Can you name any movies that Richard Donner has directed? Um, I wrote a few down here for you. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, I believe Superman, right? Superman is on the list. Superman. I'll give you Superman too. Also. Remember there was the big, uh, he was fired from yeah. Superman two, So there's the Donner edition later um man i'm drawing a blank but i know his resume i know the resume is humongous how about uh well the omen oh the good old omen my one of my wife's favorite movies yes how about the toy with richard pryor richard pryor and jackie gleason can i just can i just (laughs) side note here for a second we're making a list of movies. We're gonna, we should do throwback review every day. Let's watch all these. Yes. When you come up, we'll just be like locking ourselves in my studio. Right. Your wife's like, all you're doing is watching movies and eating jelly beans. Nah, she would, you know what? When you're here, like, here's the thing. Like, you came up and visited a few years back, and the whole entire family fell in love with you. And, like, <laughs> so I would have a complete pass that weekend. But, anyways, like, I'm recording right now in what I'm calling my studio. It's, it's my yeah. room, and it's in, but. I was thinking about this today. Like, I think certain things you do in life, you remember the music you're listening to, right? Like, I can remember my old house when I built the back deck. 
I was I was listening to a lot of um, like Harry Potter audiobooks at that time. Not mm-hmm. not music, but you know, it's just that's what I listened to. I was listening to Harry Potter audiobooks as I built this deck on headphones. Um, this room, I listened to eighty five percent of the time. I was listening to Jackie Gleason. Really? Yeah, his just or- like stand up stuff. No, or, uh, no, he was like, like shows, an orchestra. Like no, he was an like an orchestra leader. Really, dude, it, I love that music. Love, love it. It's, yeah? it's got like this, you know, mid century jazz orchestra sound. Like you, you know, watch a movie from like the early mid sixties, and there's always you know this, the 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 orchestral music. It it just right, has that right. sound to it. So that's uh, yeah. Jackie Gleason's. Interesting. All right, yeah. So um, uh, we mentioned the toy. How about this? The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Toss that one in there. Um, lethal Weapon 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and also Scrooged were all. And there were, there were others on the list, of course. But those are all movies that I was like, I can't believe the same guy is responsible for so many classic films you know yeah see this that that's the great contrast with you and i on the show is you remember all this stuff i just like have the warm fuzzy memories but i don't remember you know what i mean because i know again like for not watching this i know i i will catch uh no pun intended flack for <laughs> for not knowing you know goonies come on you didn't know goonies like yeah no i didn't like i watched the movies i love them but it doesn't mean i know everything about them in all honesty, if you'd have asked me what what films Richard Donner had done, I would say Superman, uh, The Goonies, and I might have got Lethal Weapon. So the the other ones all are courtesy of IMDb, <laughs> not Rob's memory. <laughs> um, the only other things I wrote down from uh, IMDb, um, three things we could talk about. Number one, PG thirteen. Number two. 121 minutes long (laughs) and number three it had a budget of 20 million dollars and in the u.s grossed 18 and a half million dollars which might be why this wasn't on either of our radars so what 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 got this uh a pg-13 rating i don't know i mean could it could it be violence but i mean it wasn't there's not that yeah there's yeah. no blood really it's not you know i would well of course i was gonna say it's not like conan but conan's already so that's a bad <laughs> yeah. bad example but yeah very few people actually get killed i mean a lot of them that get killed are like with arrows like bows and arrows so it's not really bloody they just kind of fall over i i was really shocked to see pg-13 yeah yeah i don't know i and that's the only thing i could think of is is some you know just the battling and everything that goes on and you know what? I mean, we're just kind of jump around in here. We're not going through the whole movie, but there is like the first battle scene where Matthew mm-hmm. Broderick, where Gaston, is basically saved by uh, by what is it, Navari? Yeah, and we and we kind of find out from the dialogue with Navari and one of the guards chasing that he's the old captain. You know, that's you kind of figure that out. Okay, he's the new captain. Right. Or the old captain and the new captain obviously has his orders, but you can tell it's personal too. Like I'm mm-hmm. the new I'm the new chief. You gotta go. But that whole chase scene with Matthew Broderick prior to uh Navari saving him, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh boy, this is kind of oh, this is kind of cheesy. Um the way he's you know <laughs> sliding under tables and then popping you up and kicking a guy and knocking him down. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was very. It reminded me of um, kind of that that um, the fight sequence in Cairo from the first Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you know you go over the table, you slide under the table, you do this, you do you know like all there's all these props involved and and uh, yeah, he's just and of course he goes, you know, he escapes from this place. He goes the stone he escapes he runs all the way across the country and then he ends up in this tiny little town where the actual guards are right and he's boasting out loud oh, i've escaped from all the guards you know and then they're they're like ha, they pull their hoods off like yeah dope. but Why i would need to lay low exactly <laughs> but i i feel like it was that scene was redeemed at the like the end scene in the church like that battle scene in the church with the new um the new captain and navari on the horses, like, dude. I mean, yeah. I know, I know it wasn't him, and I and I have a comment about um, their face shields on their helmets because yeah, yeah. in that last battle scene, as cool as it was, like you got like the close up shots where you could see that it was Rutger Howard, right? The mm-hmm. the face mm-hmm. shield, and I didn't like the face shields anyways. I mean, I'm I'm assuming they designed it that way so you could see his face and close ups, but it seemed almost. Um, I don't know. They were just weird. Like maybe like an Arabian Nights type of, if it, you know, yeah, it was just, it wasn't, yeah, not like what do you think of traditional? Yeah, night, it, it was weird, but you could they 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 were um, like they were it, the spacing was the gaps were bigger, so you could see Rucker Howard in the close ups. But then when you right. saw the, the like when the shots kind of came out, it was mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It was like you couldn't see because it was obviously somebody else, but. Right. I didn't like I, that. I was like, why not just have a face shield? We'll know it's not him, but we won't get these back and forth shots to be like, hey, it's him. It's not him. Yeah. But yeah. that battle scene was awesome. Yeah. The last one. Yeah. He, um, uh, you know, he's got this giant sword, you know, and, and, and then you got horses going back and forth and, and they're just going back and forth. Yeah. It's a, um, and it would be like, um, I thought it was like how a real, medieval fight would be in that you know in some movies when two people are fighting all of a sudden the whole crowd breaks out and then everybody but no they're just everybody's like whoa these two dudes are fighting and then there's 500 people standing around <laughs> yeah just watching these guys fight well you got to think about it like if you're witnessing this right mm-hmm. yeah you always think like you'd be a good samaritan and break up a fight i'm not getting in the way of a sword that's being swung around Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Have at it, boys. Yeah. You guys are on your own. Um, What else uh, did I think about that? Let's see. There was the. Oh, I did read this in the trivia section. I thought was funny. It said that um, Rutger Hauer and Matthew Broderick did a lot of their own horse riding, like, you know, all the scenes where they're traveling. And it said when. Uh, you remember when uh, uh, Matthew Broderick, Philippe, he got on the horse and, and I think he had to go. I think that might have been when he went to go see the monk. Um, but in the, the movie, uh, so Rucker Howard slaps the slaps horse. Him. On yep. the side, right. And, and it takes off. But it said that uh, in real life, when the horse took off, Matthew Broderick wasn't strong enough to make the horse stop. And so they like had to wait like half an hour till the horse just decided to come back. It just literally took off with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, well, there he goes. <laughs> that is, that is too funny. That's awesome. So that made me laugh. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure it's not true, but <laughs> the, so as far as special effects 
go. You know, like if you stab a guy or you shoot him with an arrow, I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be graphic or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be gory. But there were some kind of cheesy moments when they were like, when they were transitioning, like when he was turning into the wolf. And I mean, they don't really show it, but it's like supposed to be like a dream sequence, I guess. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're supposed to think that it's magical, but it just, it almost came off like, like a, made for tv movie or something you know it just seemed like, you, pretty cheesy. like something you would have made in av class or something <laughs> in high school yes yeah, exactly. i know you know i i i had thought about like when uh there's the part where she's gonna i think she's gonna fall off a cliff or no it's at the monk's place because he his his place is like on the top of like this like rocky mountain right yeah and yeah. she's gonna fall and of course it keeps cutting to like the you know the sun coming up and all that kind of stuff and as she's falling she's screaming and then the sun comes up and she's screaming and it turns into the screech of the hawk and i'm like i bet whoever did that thought that was so awesome like that they were so cool check out what i did it mixes perfectly yeah and and if you look i think this got nominated for an oscar for like sound engineering or something oh my god and i I bet it i bet it was for that part (laughs) yeah um so i so as i was watching the movie and they and you you realize what's happening right that there's this curse on these two people and One's a wolf by night, one's a hawk by day, and it's all because the bishop was in love with this lady and she chose someone else. As I was watching the movie, I thought, what a dick move. (laughs) 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 To put a curse, to curse people for all time to be an animal half of the day just because some other girl, like everybody, me, you, everybody in the world has gone through a breakup where you were, you know, had a crush on some girl or some guy. It didn't work out. You go your own ways and it hurts. We all know that, um, you know, love hurts sometimes, but like, I think of the girls that I had a crush on in school or whatever. Would I wish them a a, a curse for all eternity? I don't know that I would do that. I just thought it was a little severe for, uh, well, not only that, but he's the evil priest we know that women love a bad boy. So it's not like he's not going to get another girlfriend. Couldn't he have just turned the guy into a wolf full time? Yeah. But like, and then yo, he would have got the girl. Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have the movie. He could have made her a hawk and put her in a cage. And then been like, how do you like that lady hawk? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you got this adventure and it's like, you know, Matthew Broderick's character is, is, in the end, he you know he helps out and he's concerned about everything, but it's like that whole build up to him wanting to like distance himself from there, right? But he almost doesn't have a choice because Rutger Hauer's character's like, right. you know, I will, I'll, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. If, you right, know, I'll you know. kill you if you don't help me. Yeah, that that, that yeah. makes it seem like you know because you want. Gaston to have an arc of change you know you want him at the beginning he's a you know we only know that he's a thief we know that he's been arrested so you want him to redeem himself and which he does at the end I mean Mm -hmm. he puts all the pieces together but it takes a little bit away of it away from his growth when you know that he was threatened with his life um, and then later on, he does have the opportunity where they're like, ah, oh, you could go your own way. And he's like, nah, I think I was going the same way anyway, you know? Yeah. So they do it. But yeah, it, it took a little bit away. 
from it. I'd Rutger Hauer, I don't, and Michelle Pfeiffer even less. So I don't know that they have any change really. I mean, he starts out, he wants to kill the Bishop and at the end he kills the Bishop. So, well, yeah, <laughs> but he didn't, he, he didn't really have a choice in that matter because right, the, he was going to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. The priest was like, you know, what is that called? That, that, that giant cross staff thing. Is there a name for that? I'm sure there's a name, but it had like a point at the end and he's, and he says, and I was like, did he say something like, if I can't have you, but I didn't hear it. Cause it's like, he draws it up to stab her in the back and says, nobody will, or something like that. And I was like, maybe I missed him say like, if I can't have you, nobody will. And that's when Rutger Hauer kills him. So I, you know, I don't, I don't fault him for that. He turns around and he says, the only winning move is not to play. Oh, wait, that's four <laughs> games again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you know, at the very end of it, um, you think, oh, now that the curse is broken, the bishop has lost and, and he could just walk away in shame. But then there is that little twist at the end where he's like, aha, I'm coming back. You know? Yeah, I kind of thought you, that's how it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe that, maybe that, um, you know, his uh, followers were just kind of be like that thing in the movie where they realize the guy's a jerk. And they go, yeah, we're, we're going down, yeah. we're, we're going down the road to the next uh, church or whatever. Right, right, right yeah. So yeah, yeah. you got to think that once the bishop, I mean, even if he hadn't got killed, that everybody in that church. It's going to split. Like, they're not going to keep coming back, right? Do you, do you like, think the weekly contributions, have they they lessen at that point when the basket goes around? <laughs> they could hang the basket on the spear that's sticking out of him. Yeah. <laughs> you he, just walk by and drop a couple of dollars in. <laughs> he, uh, he launched that sword at him. I don't know, man, if it's going to go through him like that. Like, do you ever, do you ever like... You know, yeah, most of us had dartboards at our house or at someone's house when you play, but and someone always pulls out a knife and you think you're cool and you're going to throw the knife at the dartboard and it's going to stick in there. But it never does. It always falls, right? <laughs> but, of course, his sword that he just turns and throws as he's turning, it goes right through the guy's chest. I mean, right. I don't know how hard you would have to throw a sword to do that, but, um, you know, he he's built his muscles having been a wolf <laughs> every night so maybe uh, maybe he's got special wolf muscles or something i don't know yeah that that was actually was going to be one of my questions but you kind of figure this out towards the end i guess or maybe smarter people figured out earlier than i did but um that they don't remember what happens when they're transformed so when they come back because 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 navari asks like when um when gaston says that oh this lady, she came here and she was beautiful. And he'll, and he'll ask her, like, well, what did she say? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And at the yeah, end, absolutely. at the end, you can realize, like, all right, they don't remember what's going on. Like, yeah, I'm, think, I'm thinking they're just, yeah. like, trapped in these bodies, transformed. But they, they're, like, you know, they know what's going on around them, but they just, they're transformed. So I wonder what happens, like, when they transform the next day. Like when she was falling off the castle, 
And then she transforms into the bird. And then the next day when she transforms, she'd be like, whoa, whoa, am I falling off a castle? Oh, no, we're somewhere else now. I mean, it just has to be a continual life of waking up every day not knowing where you are. Yeah, like where does the memory stop and where does it start again type of thing? Right. Yeah, because she didn't know she got like what happened when she got shot. Right. Oh, yeah, with the arrow, the. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was uh, that was pretty amazing. I mean, obviously they didn't shoot a bird, but but just where they were handling the bird and doing all that, I thought that's a. I thought that I thought just when they showed the arrow arrow hit the bird, I was like, how do they do that? Same thing. I'm like, they couldn't shoot a bird. Although it's yeah, 80, it's eighty five, it's eighty five. Maybe they got away with maybe. it. Peta wasn't around. I don't know. <laughs> well, Peta, yeah, does it cover birds? I guess it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would tell you the biggest, my biggest problem with this movie. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a medieval tale. It's a, a fantasy story. I am okay with all that stuff. Uh, they don't give Michelle Pfeiffer a whole lot to do other than stand around and look pretty, you know? So it's, she's kind of underused in it, but my biggest problem going back to something we mentioned earlier, 121 minutes. Yeah. There's just, because nor like if, if, um, you know, Easy example, Star Wars. If you try to explain Star Wars to somebody, you would go, well, there's this kid and he's a farmer and, and blah, blah, blah. He finds some <laughs> droids and he goes. And, you know what I mean? Like it's a long story. But if you're trying to explain Ladyhawk to somebody, you go, and there's these two people. They're cursed to be animals and they got to kill a guy. Like it's not a long story. It's pretty easy to explain the plot of this movie. So the fact that it takes two hours and trying to justify that length of time for such a simple story, there's just not that much to it, you know? And, and, and then after you learn, I mean, you know, you've, first of all, Rutger Hauer, I think he shows up like 15 minutes into the movie. So there's a long time where he's not there. And then he shows up and then there's even longer until you see Michelle Pfeiffer. And then they're just dragging it on. Like, well, this is half the day where he has stuff. This is half, you know, the night where she's around and you get it that they're not at the same place, but there's a lot of the stuff I, you know, you just don't need to see, and you really don't need to see people traveling across the countryside right. for you know, long periods of time. Well, I, I think, uh, yes, that I, I, I agree with. I thought, well, maybe it's because of the budget and the fact that they were over in Italy. They're like, yeah, hey, we'll shoot another day. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, not a rush yeah. to go back. But I think um, what what annoyed me from a character standpoint is how how oblivious that Gaston was to what was, was really going on. Like yeah, who is yeah. who and everything. Like my 10 year old is just like, dad, why doesn't he realize it's, you know, she's the hawk and he's the wolf. Right. And this is not like um, if you and I today in real life, right? Like if I, I would not, if, if I saw my neighbor half the time and then the other half the time I saw a beagle out there, I wouldn't just assume my neighbor turns into a beagle at night, right? But this is a world where magic happens. Like, they yeah. know there are magic and there are spells and there are curses. So it does take him a really long time to figure this out when he's like, but when I see her, then I don't see the hawk. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like, kind of pick up on the story. And I'm, I'm thinking that there's something peculiar. You know what else, too? <laughs> like you just said, this is supposed to be a time where there's magic and, you know, sorcery and stuff. But it's such a secret that these two are cursed with with you know having to deal with this like why wouldn't they be more open about it and hopefully get the bishop you know 
thrown out of charge or what you know what i mean like the, it was right. like this big secret that the only people that knew was the bishop um mm-hmm. rutger hauer michelle pfeiffer and then uh leo mccurran's character like they're the right. only ones that know so i don't know but um, yeah, i also um this is a, a flaw with the movie i guess this is a um <sighs> I'm always surprised. I mean, and this is what characters should do, right? Characters should be brave. They should come over their own. They should overcome their own fears or their own weaknesses, you know, because that that's what we expect from a hero. But I'm always questioning, like, when you escape from a place and then you go, boy, the only way to help somebody else would be to break back into that place. And people are always willing to do it, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, I mean, Matthew Broderick is, is threatened for a little bit, but I mean, he starts out the movie in prison, and the only way to solve a curse which does not affect him in the slightest, he can walk away from all this, is to break back into the castle and take on, you know, a bishop and all these evil knights and everything. So, um, you know, I mean, and you understand Rutger Hauer. I mean, their motivation, his motivation, Michelle Pfeiffer's motivation is well. No, she doesn't really. She doesn't appear she, to 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 have any drive for it. She's just like, yeah, right. whatever. Right, I'm just floating along, you know. Which, yeah. by the way, good on her for, you know. So we were saying that when they don't remember when they're human, they don't remember when they're an animal. But when they're an animal, they must have some awareness. Because I guarantee you, if you let a hawk go in my front yard, it's going to be gone in twelve hours. Well, not only that, but in that scene where where uh, Navari and Gaston stay at this little village, but then the guy in the village wants to kill Gaston, and the and yeah. then the wolf comes out and protects him. Like that, yeah. that's and that's what I mean. That's why I was confused as to like they are they are coherent they right? of everything that's going on. Both when they're right. when they're transformed and not, or do they forget? And, and I'm like, okay, that, so that kind of threw me off. Yeah, that's one of those things where where we're like, eh, we're thinking too hard. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> we've definitely thought way too hard for this movie. I thought two things that would make this movie better: one is if it were 90 minutes, or two if it were 80 minutes. <laughs> those are my two things <laughs> or three if lady hawk woke up every day with what she was wearing as a hawk <laughs> yeah so I, uh, I did like that at the end though i caught that at the end where she takes off all the, the strings yeah the little thing the that, leather whatever, straps the falcon, or whatever yeah the strap and drops it there and um mm-hmm. uh you know that's kind of like a nice little visual like this curse is over yeah know? like oh, mic, that was cool i like that mic drop boom right right is there anything from the wolf? He, he's like, uh, I think he uh, took a squat here's, over in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> here's my uh, my battle cat collar, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is this uh, movie you recommend to anybody or your children or anybody that you like and know? Yeah, you know, my like my son was like, yeah. It's all right, Dad. It's not bad, you know. Like, I mean, there's movies and TV shows from the '80s that he really likes, but and this one, he was just like, "eh." I think it might have been more just like him and I hanging out, watching it type. You know what I mean? But I would, I would say, I'd say watch it if you're if you're like us. If you haven't seen it, yeah, I could say if you haven't seen it before, I would, I would say, yeah, watch it. But what I don't think is that I'll watch it again. Yeah, no, I'm not going to watch it again. and I think that uh, I think if you were to watch it with somebody who 
maybe loved it as a kid. Because I could mm-hmm. see, like, if I if I would have seen this as a kid, I would have loved this. Absolutely would have loved this. Oh as a yeah, kid. sure. Um, yeah, because I thought the scenery and the and the armor and the sword, like all that stuff. As we get older, like this, you know, and we're just having fun. You know, we're not taking this serious, but so we kind of. Oh, yeah. So I guess I think that the 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 highlights aren't as uh, bright, but the the goofiness of things kind of stand out a little bit more to us now. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I would say give it a watch. But if you're watching with someone who loved it as a kid and they're like, "Oh man, you haven't seen Lady Hawk," like, yeah, they they might still like it a little bit more because of that nostalgia factor. Yeah, I, I um when I think back of uh, in like all those films we were talking about, like um, uh, when we said, "Oh, we should watch um, Jump a Jack Flash," or we or the toy. When I think of the toy, I think, "Oh, there's that funny scene. There's the stuff with the go kart. There's the." Stuff where they make the newspaper. Like, there are funny scenes. He's or got very that- sweaty hands. <laughs> that line, that line, and uh, it's U.S., not U.S. Those are, like, the two lines I love the best. That and chop, chop, give him a ticket. <laughs> so so that that's exactly my point, is that there are things that you think back on that make you laugh, that you want to see again, that made you enjoy that movie. Yeah. I, didn't, there wasn't anything in this movie where I think, oh, I need to see that again. No, nope. like I feel like I got the story, and then that's, you know, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, there's no part that I really want to revisit. I feel like now, like if I'm at a party and someone's like, "Yeah, man, you ever see that movie, Lady Hawk?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I did." Yeah, and then move on the conversation. Here's a thought for you. You know, we started off this podcast talking about our pets. Okay, it's very possible. That when we go to sleep, oh no, our pets turn into people. Oh, that'd be awful. The things they see, Rob. (laughs) We might turn into pets. We might, and we don't know. What? What what animal? Wait. What? (laughs) I'd be a bird. I'd be no. I'd be a. I'd I'd be an otter because they look so. They look like they're having so much fun when they're swimming on their backs. I um. Hmm. That's a tough one. What if you were like something totally out of place? I mean, like you think, okay, a hawk, you could see that, you know, but um, like, what if your wife wakes up in the middle of the night and you're like, what the hell's a camel doing in here? <laughs> and you're like, like my hump. <laughs> like that's your courage. You turn into want a, a hump. <laughs> right. And then my cat is sitting over on the sofa. It's like, I don't know. Every night I see that damn camel. I don't know who that is. <laughs> then in the morning and our wives are the only ones that know the truth. Maybe when you're up, we have to stay up past midnight. That's when it when it, is, when it happens, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Your wife comes into the podcast <laughs> room, and there's an otter and a camel. She's like, "What the hell's going on around here?" <laughs> uh, Sean. Oh, off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so funny, dude. Because the camel ain't standing up in this room. Be like but the yeah, Flintstones. You put your head to the roof. It's like just so convenient. Like, I don't know if the... It makes you ask questions. Did the bishop pick what animals they could? Because obviously yeah, a, wolf, exactly. a wolf can fend for itself. Did he roll a what? 20-sided die? Right, and and you're like, oh, sorry, you're a platypus <laughs> in the middle of the desert. You're a goldfish. Think about end. it. Think about it. Why would he make the guy who he hates right 
Navari. Why would he make him a right. vicious big giant? Because he's like, it's the big. Because Matthew Broderick, like, it was the biggest wolf I've ever seen. Right. He almost right. He an took animal a, that can survive. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like Matthew Broderick wakes up the next day and he's like, it was a gerbil. Yeah, a gerbil. <laughs> or if he's gonna make him like a dog or something, like you know how when like a dog has a litter and there's always the runt, and right, generally yeah. generally they don't survive. You make them that one, not the most. Don't even make them a wolf. Like you said, make him a guinea pig. <laughs> how, you, how annoyed would you be if you got a curse and every day you woke up and Nicole was a camel? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get a ride to work. That's true. You'd be like, all right. Water bill would be down. They don't need much water. <laughs> Oh, Sean. Yeah, I think it's time to wrap this up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that's Ladyhawk. Uh, if you liked, um, what? If you liked Conan, if you liked, um, oh, I don't know. Any, what have you, any what of have you sword and sorcery? I mean, there's not that much sword or sorcery no. in this, but, you know, it's that that type of world. Um, hey, spe- uh, speaking of it, if you, what if you woke up and you were a camel and you were the camel that, that Arnold Schwarzenegger punches? <laughs> remember that remember that scene i, I remember it because like let's be honest man like conan is not a movie for little kids and i remember seeing it no. and i yeah. remember him walking through the village and he punches that camel right and i'm yeah. just even as a like a little kid i'm like what the fuck did he just he just punched a camel but you know as kids like there was a conan game on the computer like i was exposed to that uh you know there was what was that rastan the yeah. arcade game, which was a lot like Conan, you know, in D&D. So, so it was natural. Like, Conan was, you know, marketed towards us, like kids that were into all that stuff. So, but yeah, it was um, it was definitely not a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so, I, I like I said, I'd say watch it, have fun with it, and that's it. But uh, I don't know, man. Let's, uh, I think we need to wrap this one up, Rob. We've been going for a while. I think we definitely covered this movie quite well. Uh, where can people find you if they want to hear more or they want to go in your archives or they want to read your blog, stuff like that? Well, he always says that. Oh, wait. It's like, yeah, well, it's a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I turned into a donkey. You jackass. Uh, you can go to uh, robohara.com. You can find links to uh, all my stuff there. Um, if you want to jump right to my podcasts, you can go to podcast.robohara.com. Uh, if you want to hit me up about uh, throwback reviews or anything else, you can find me on Twitter at Commodork, um, or you can find me on uh, Facebook. Just look me up. So uh, now you you know you mentioned the link last time, but I don't know if you explained this. So you set up a new website for all your podcasts. Uh, yeah. So it is alldutchpods.com, and it kind of just basically. I mean, I have got this podcast. I've got, uh, I'm part of the Horrified Chicken podcast with my wife. I'm part of the Negative Splits podcast, which is a running show that I do with my two buddies, Bill and Glenn. And I have my, my all my old shows, The Average Runner, OTR Playlist. They're all in a feed on a website, alldutchpods.com. And whenever a new show goes up, it just goes there. So there is an RSS for it, but basically on the right side, like, like you can find links to each show's website. So you can subscribe if you want to, uh, you know, hear more about what I'm doing and a cool, new show man. and a new show called a table for two that 
I probably talked about before. It is going to be coming out soon. It is going to be coming out soon. And you know what? I think in August, I'll be recording another episode of Table for Two in person oh. with Rob O'Hara. But uh, that show is going to come out. I've, I've just been so busy lately, but the, the first episode is edited. So, Yeah, I'm looking forward out. to that. It's um, just one-on-one interviews with uh, not just podcasters, right? But just... Uh, just people um, could be podcasters. Just could be people you know. Yeah, yeah. The the, the gist of it really is just to uh, get to know friends, family. You know, whether it's from podcasting or whatever, just get to know them a little bit better myself and share that conversation with uh, listeners. That's awesome, man. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So, yeah. All right. Hopefully, I will not be a camel when it comes out. Yeah, uh, I hope so too. And uh, <laughs> there is, if you want to help support this show, there is a link on our website. Uh, throwbackreviews.com where you can when you shop Amazon just follow that link it helps uh, give us a little bit to uh, pay the bills but other than that that's going to wrap up this episode of Throwback Reviews podcast for April we'll see you in May <laughs>